listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. So, uh, everybody wants to live long. I assume everyone wants to live longer. Rich people don't just live longer. They also more get more healthy years. Disability-free life uh, after 50. And that's what you really want. How do they define that, disability-free? They actually put a description on it as being able to get out of bed and cook for yourself. <clears throat> just a couple of things like that is a different quality of life than, you know, you're, you're stuck in your bed all the time. May I get out of bed and order a pizza in this scenario? Would that be all right? <laughs> The top quintile of people get a full, well, I'll just read this. There are many of, first of all, um, you got to figure out how you're going to define wealth, but we'll get to that in just a second. And they analyzed a whole bunch of different factors to, uh, to determine that people with more money get eight to nine more years of disability free life after 50 than poor people. Wow. So practically another decade of, Mm -hmm. you know, moving around, being mobile and doing what you want. I already have some Freakonomics-style questions, but go on, it please. Didn't, it didn't put a number on this, because uh, they did it across various countries, and I, I suppose it would be... This article didn't put a number on it. I, you'd have to have different numbers in different countries, right? And, and as we always say, even in one country, a, a number of what's wealthy is stupid well, wasn't across it, it, the United States. It was sure. going by percentages, right? So the top quintile yeah, of yeah. all the countries, whatever that... But if you're trying to figure out for yourself what quintile you're in. Right. But anyway, this is what it says here. There are many ways to define wealth. In this study, researchers considered physical possessions, such as a home, jewels, and artworks. Ah, I, yes. do, I do own most of a home. My jewels and artworks don't add up to much. I, on the other hand, I'm known for this. I joke Eddie, I'm heavily bejeweled. <laughs> My jewels and artworks do not add up to much. Oh, if I'm not dripping with jewels, I can't walk out the door in the morning. Additional study is required. I feel naked. <laughs> if you're not just, like, bent over with jewels. Oh, yeah. I have really a, stand up straight. A, a, a diamond watch. I have five, I'm sorry, six bracelets. I've got wrapper chains going giant diamonds in my earlobes. You can see that. Anticipating your Freakonomics question, I suppose, is this, that uh, they analyzed... Uh, they need to analyze other factors, including education, social class, along with how much money you have to try to figure out why this is true across many different countries. Additional study is required to understand why wealth in particular is such a strong indicator of how long someone lives unimpaired. Um, ob- you know, you start with, obviously, I suppose you get better health care. I-, I don't well, know. Yeah, for now, let's assume this is just true on its face. I think, and, and listen, I've seen this. There are various things you can do for your health that are either not covered by insurance or not covered very well by insurance, or, you know, maybe having insurance at all is a sign that you're a little more financially successful. But, and so some of that optional stuff that might prolong your life, it probably accumulates. Boy, I don't, I, yeah, I don't you got know. Money for a gym membership and, uh, I don't know. But my. Boy, I don't, surely not. That can't be. That can't be a factor. But this is, uh, the, you know, that was just a for instance. I don't know. I need exa- um, I'm trying to think of anything that, like, I would have ever spent. I have never spent anything that I, I've not had any health care. I don't think that I got that I wouldn't have had if I was poor. Now, my son has. Yeah. But yeah. I haven't personally. Well, and, I, uh, and then like 80% of people have private insurance, so I have the same insurance roughly everybody else has. So I just do what the insurance pays right, for. Right. Well, it's worth repeating, even though it's a cliche, that correlation does not imply causation necessarily. But I just find myself thinking that if you are uh, intelligent, uh, energetic, robust... You're oh, much boy, more... you're just describing me is what you're describing. Well, I was looking straight you, at you. Joe was just looking at me, and the words were easily coming to his mouth. Robust. It was a word association. Energetic. Game. Intelligent. 
clearly. Um, if you are those things, you're much more likely to be rich, aren't you? Well, I, I know we've seen studies before that the more money you have, the more likely you are to be fit and eat right and a variety of things like that, not smoke. Smoking is heavily tied in to uh, to uh, income right, for a right. variety of reasons, and just all those things alone. But no, seriously, if you take two 10-year-olds, one is intelligent, tends to be healthy and robust. They're uh, energetic, if you prefer the term. They're much more likely to become uh, wealthy than their uh, less intelligent, uh, you know, sluggish, uh, you know, uh, if if the dumb unhealthy. sluggy kid has parents that can bribe their way into a college and then they just get surrounded by that, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Well, I will dumb, grant you that the dumb sluggy kid, right? Wow. Yeah, and right. being broke is an incredible stressor. Every time you get a parking ticket when you're broke and your heart just goes, like, the more <laughs> oh, time, no! the more times right. that happens in your life, I think probably has some sort of weird compounding effect. On your overall health. Hey, wait a minute. Science has told us that, you know, it's your telomeres. It's the ends of your, your cells or your chromosomes, I guess it is, that they get worn down by stress. I tell you what, as the saying goes, I've been rich and I've been poor, and I like rich a hell of a lot better. It's stressful to not be able to pay your bills. And I certainly could be part of it. That'd be an interesting uh, aspect of it to look at. I had something happen the other day. I don't remember what it was. Flat tire. One of those kind of things that happens in life. And I thought, thank God I don't have to worry about that anymore. Because I remember when that used to be a just, oh my God, that is not good timing. How am I going to handle this? And smoking is often a a not that intelligent way of coping with stress. And so I think that would go into a lot of this weird little death by a thousand paper cuts of being broke. Yeah, in my think, theory, would lead to. I think all these things you and Joe have both mentioned make more sense to me than than I'm paying for some different health care. Because so far, I haven't done that, and I don't even know what it would be. Yeah, if you're uninsured, you're going to have a worse outcome. That would make sense. Like the um, Medicare, Medicare's for the old folks. What's the, uh, the, the various poor people government insurance programs that have terrible, terrible outcomes? Boy, another decade. I mean, that's 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 not nothing. Another decade of uh, mobile life, enjoyable life, is a lot. Oh, yeah. That's a lot. And uh, we're talking about over the age of 50. So that's a third of your remaining time. Yeah. I'm not going to have that if I keep eating the way I am. I'll tell you what. <laughs> well, and listen, I thought... Joe I was... beats himself up. It's a regular part Do of the Armstrong and Show. Well, listen, I'm, I'm not drinking for January, and I'm very pleased with it thus far in most ways. But, uh, you know, and I didn't think I was falling prey for the prey to this. But you mentioned it to me ages and ages ago about people who, who quit drinking. Often they they crave the sugar. Oh yeah, I and never the sweetness. I never ate uh, treats, candies, desserts when I drank ever. Oh, oh ever. Yeah. It became a huge thing after I quit drinking, though. There's so, a lot of sugar in beer and everything else. Well, Little D was very frustrated because she bought a what's the little container of like Ben and Jerry's? Is that a pint? Yeah. A gallon of hogs head? I don't know. I'm it's bad a, with measurements. Pint, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a, that's it's the, an acre. This, this I believe it's a hectare. <laughs> that's the little, this couldn't part lip art. Look how tiny it is. Well, right, exactly. <laughs> and, and, but she couldn't, she only ate a tiny bit of it before she had to go back to school. And so I was kind of, you know, hungry and kind of thinking, I'd like, hey, you worked hard. You deserve a little treat. <laughs> and, and I discovered it. I discovered that in a freezer last right. night. I was like a grizzly bear on a leg of lamb. It was terrible. That's a good uh, grown man morsel right oh, there. Geez. What flavor was it? Chocolate 
uh, brownie. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, and I'm, good, I'm, I'm a chocolate fiend, Good too. adult decision right there. If it had been some sort of bull-ass flavor, I wouldn't have even looked at it. But chocolate brownie, oh, come to me. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Mailbag. Ten ways people screw off at work each day. I've already gotten four or five down. Okay. This morning, checking the boxes. Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day sent along uh, by Ian in Tijuana. It's from Ronald Reagan. I love this. We must reject the idea that every time a law is broken, society is guilty, not the lawbreaker. It is time to restore the American precept that each individual is accountable for his own actions. I, I've always believed that firmly. The There are a lot of you know policies, and they often come from the progressive point of view, that infantilize people. They they say you're not responsible, responsible for your own life in a hundred ways. You're not responsible for your own sins. You know, somebody made you do it or society made you do it or whatever. You're not responsible for feeding yourself. You're not responsible for feeding your children, for housing yourself. We'll just take care of you. We'll powder your little bottom and, and live for you. I just, He's I, like a little baby. You know, granted, I'm kind of an independent-minded fella, but I just I find that incredibly paternalistic and insulting. But uh, a lot of people think that that's the, what the government ought to do. Let's see. Why don't we just uh, just uh, take this on right now? You heard it in clips of the week. Charlie uh, has a, he writes out the hole in the sky lyrics, and then says, "I have gray matter all over my shirt." Thanks. It's uh, his brain is leaking out. Mm. His nose. I There's a hole in the sky where the tree once was. And somebody's mm-hmm. making money. Good lord. And uh, how about uh, Lydia from Tennessee? <clears throat> Thank you for addressing the fact that the hole in the sky where the tree once stood is, in fact, quite possibly the worst earworm song ever conjured up by mankind. There's a hole in the sky oh, where oh the boy. tree once was. Somebody's making money. <clears throat> I was brushing my teeth before I went to bed last night. All I could think about was, somebody making money. Somebody's making money. This caused an involuntary thought to flash before my mind. What if this one is stuck for good? What if this song haunts me, popping into my brain unannounced and unwelcome for the rest of my life? The idea was horrifying. Somebody's it, making so it's like, money. It's like the girl who had hiccups for six years. Right. What if this gets stuck in there? Exactly. So listen to this, though. Her husband had not heard the show yet, so he had no idea uh, about it. And she was thinking of singing it to him so he could understand, but decided to spare him the pain. That's a beautiful relationship. That's a good woman right there. Uh, and she says, uh, may the A&G audience commiserate together over this song that should have never seen the light today. <laughs> Misery loves company. It should be comforting. We're all enduring this together. Yes, indeed. Uh, let's see. Kathy writes, was working in the yard today pulling weeds. <clears throat> Couldn't get the tree song out of my head. I started singing, there's a hole in the ground where the weed once was. <laughs> Before I cleared out my yard. <laughs> thanks for such, thanks for the motivational music for such a tedious task. Oh, it's our pleasure, uh, Kathy. A lot of the ladies writing in today. That's nice. That's nice. It's amazing how often things from the Seattle City Council end up on the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whether it's crackpot speeches or songs or whatever, or or the politicians. Uh, the city of Seattle, which I love, much like the city of Portland, which I love, and the city of San Francisco, likewise, 
uh, have become museums of wackadoodleness. I mean, just uh, you can't go anywhere without witnessing just hardcore wackadoodle tree. Let's see. Do we have time for this? Uh, yes, that's, uh, oh, uh, Anonymous wrote a uh, hip-hop remix of it uh, that goes, There's some Taco Bell rappers where the food once was. Somebody smoking chronic. And that officially ends the discussion of this song. There that's you not go. very good. But he, he also said, you guys were dissing Mark Zuckerberg for blow-drying his armpits. Yeah. As a, cyper, as a suffer, rather, of hyperhidrosis, excessive sweating, I can empathize. Maybe he just suffers from this uh, condition. Huh. Yeah, excessive. We shouldn't mock a man. It's just not a princess in the pea billionaire thing. No, he's he's uh, hyper sweaty. Mm, we don't know that. Or maybe his conscience, shriveled and small as it is, is you know making him sweat. We don't know. <laughs> Michael, I think we need transition music. Also, that most Democratic voters and Democratic leaning independents, two thirds, the main thing they want in a candidate is someone who can beat Donald Trump. Yep. Yes, I'm one of only two candidates in the field that 10% or more of Donald Trump voters say that they would support. Why is that? It's because I'm focused on solving the problems that they see around them every day. And I'm laser focused on trying to make their lives better. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm getting thousands of Trump voters as well as independents and libertarians and Democrats and progressives. If I'm the Democratic nominee, we win. That's the math. So that's Andrew Yang. He is Asian tech entrepreneur who has struck a chord with his main thing he talks about is his universal income plan proposal to give a thousand dollars in cash to every american part a of it a month right a month yeah i'm yeah. sorry yeah a month and part of it is to shield workers from uh, job losses he believes are coming because of robots and the the other one is the um argument we've talked about a lot and hopefully you've heard about it before just there is a theory out there, even among libertarians and some conservatives, that if you give people money, it gives them enough hope and dignity to get going again, and also they will shame others who waste their money. I've heard There's that a explained. Theory on that. Yeah, and I, I think it's pretty compelling. But where they lose me is that the 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 idea of universal basic income is you eliminate all other welfare programs. There's there's no need for them because everybody is getting this money, but that will never ever happen because those programs are a leash around the necks. Uh, well, I guess the leash leads to the collar. It's a leash that leads to the collar around the necks of voters. Those programs, you need me to give you, and that's political power. Not to mention. All that money flows through you. You get to carve off a certain percentage of this. No way that happens. So they've been trying a version of this for a while now in Stockton, California. Stockton was chosen because it was ground zero for the big financial crash, housing crash, and because it was the biggest municipality to ever go bankrupt in our nation's history. And they're given, uh, uh, they chose a whole bunch of people that met certain guidelines, $500 a month. And here's a woman, Susie Garza who since February has been getting $500 a month in Stockton, California. She said she can spend the money however she wants. That's part of the idea of this income. She uses 150 of it to pay for her cell phone, another 100 or so to pay off her dog's vet bills. She spends the rest on her two grandsons, and then she can afford to buy them birthday presents and stuff that she couldn't afford before. Um, she was a drug addict. She's been sober for a long time, spent some time in jail. She said, I feel more independent, like I'm in charge. I like having something that's my own. It's your own now that somebody gave it to you. Exactly. Yeah, you'll feel even better if you earn it. Trust me. 
Um, the mayor, uh, 29-year-old Democratic mayor of Stockton, said, I think poverty is immoral. I think it's antiquated, and I think it shouldn't exist. That's an interesting theory. Yet another young utopian who's going to reinvent human nature. People don't need to strive. They just need to be given. Now and they will live a happy life. This has been tried in a variety of ways around the world. There's a place in Africa, a place in Europe. They've tried it. I, I haven't seen enough consistency no. and for it, be to, for it to be a long enough period to really figure out. what You'd have to do it for a long time to see if it's going to change culture. Mm-hmm. I'm specifically concerned about the part where if you're all if you're in a poor neighborhood and you know everybody else is getting money and that family out of there's out of money, you think, sorry, you're out of luck. You got the same amount I did. I saved mine or bought food with it, and you spent years on a big screen TV. Mm-hmm. You're sorry, you're screwed. Will that actually happen over time? I don't know. You have to eliminate the other programs, like you said. That part of it, that piece of the puzzle, has to exist to really, for me, to really understand whether the experiment would work. Right. Right, and I tell you what, Yang is not out of his mind. He's not alone in thinking that uh, robot technology and uh, artificial intelligence will so fundamentally change so many workplaces, there just won't be jobs for humans like there are now. Oof. Um, And if the corporation is making what it's making now, plus some because the robots are cheaper, there ought to be plenty of money to go around to support the humans and keep us from starving to death. I, uh, you know, I think it's as much a nightmare as a utopia. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Here's a darn interesting story that I haven't gotten all the way through. Maybe maybe uh, if there's more to it, I'll uh, bring it to you later. But this is uh, patient zero. This is not about coronavirus or health at all. So why did I say patient zero? Ground zero. The, the, well, it's the original person for these lawsuits that drive us all crazy and have made the world crappy. The idea that you can sue somebody over something and get millions of dollars and it puts everybody in a panic and it's why we don't do this and you can't buy that and everything costs twice as much as it should. Or to put it another way, anytime anything unfortunate happens to anyone, there's got to be a lawsuit and somebody has to pay. What was you, 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 you trip going into your neighbor's house and, and, you know, break your wrist or something. Somebody's got to pay. There's no such thing as just that's unfortunate. What was this printed in, Sean? It's, a, it's one of your long stories, uh, the, the, the modern journalism, uh, it's like me, a book. I'll track but, that down. Um, uh, a woman named Mae Donahue, and a uh, poor woman, she um, she was sitting down to ha- have a little something to drink. What was she actually drinking? Uh, it was a ginger beer. Ginger beer, whatever that is. What can I get for you? Ginger beer? Oh, that's huge in my house. Uh, that's Delaney, my daughter's favorite drink. Okay. It's also a critical ingredient in a Moscow mule. Yes. Kentucky mule. Yes. All, your, all your the various mules. mules yeah, your yeah. entire mule family. <laughs> I did not know that. Yes. Anyway, this woman sat down in um, a Scottish town where she grew up to have herself a little ginger beer, and there was a snail in it. There's a snail in her beer. Did not see that coming. And uh, she complained, and they said, oh, sorry about that, and got her a different beer. This was before anybody had ever even considered the idea of you could sue or would sue or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, you know, it's just I don't, there's something that happens. So she sued the ginger beer people? She got sick. And it's pretty sickening. And, and, and had some problems from that. And anyway, um, a, a lawyer got wind of the story. 
and for the first time ever broke from the tradition, which had been up to that time. And Oh, I didn't give you the year. This was 1928. Wow. 1928. Um, this was long before high-profile personal injury lawsuits against companies like uh, the McDonald's Hot Coffee or Ford Catching on Fire or whatever happened. Um, and it was the fir- first time ever where it wasn't only if a product was inherently dangerous, like you're making all the beer is dangerous. Uh-huh. We, you could get sued for that. Right. Or if the customer had been, the producer had misled the customer into thinking it was safe when it wasn't, you know. Uh-huh. But basically, you've got a bad product. But the idea of one thing going wrong and we don't even know how it happened and you get to sue them for it. Hmm. Um, had never been done before, and this lawyer worked it and worked it and worked it and and got a judgment of thirty five thousand pounds, which in today's money is forty five thousand dollars, an extravagantly large sum, and it was off and running. And then this long, long article goes through how it's grown over the years from there, and I'll dig more nuggets out of it as we go. Wow. And that's how you and get to you know the McDonald's hot, hot coffee and however many millions, and the idea that uh, there are fifty warning labels on a ladder and all that stuff, right? Or all the ladder. Heck, you can fall off a ladder. There are warning labor. You could get hurt on a ladder. The, the warning labor labels on things where it's hard to imagine how you would get hurt. That's the yeah. stuff. That, you know, a pair of slippers I noticed the other day that uh, our kids got. Um, oh, for the love of all that, that has some sort of decent. warning on there. You know, do not eat or if you stuff this in your mouth, you won't be able to breathe or whatever. The is. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, dare. <laughs> we got a, a note and a picture from a listener the other day. It's a related topic. Uh, what's the idiotic uh, prop in Cal Unicornia 65 with the cancer warnings? This guy uh, bought a new guitar. He said, hey, guys, apparently my new guitar can cause cancer in California, so should I play it or what? And there it was with the prop 65. It may contain uh, materials that uh, cause cancer in lab rats if you make them eat 50 pounds of it. It's just so ridiculous. We walk into a building every day that's got a big sign out front that says... Uh... This building may cause cancer. And the first door on the left is the American Cancer Society. <laughs> Honest to goodness. <laughs> Lovers of irony, it, it does give me a little spring in my step when I walk in right. in the morning, but the stupidity then drags me back down. What I'd like to know from smart people since this started in 1928, is it possible it could go away? Could it uh, run its course and somehow clamp down on this to make it less easy to get these giant judgments? Like, well, for instance, the guy that got, what, he, he got $70 million from uh, the weed spraying stuff. Yeah, Monsanto, Roundup. was it? Yeah. Uh, spraying Roundup, and he got cancer. They're not sure that the Roundup gave him the cancer. There's plenty of evidence says it didn't. There's some that say it could have, but nobody knows. Right. And he got $70 million. Right. What we're going to end up with is no products you can afford eventually. Yeah, perhaps. Or just you can't produce products like that. Yeah, yeah. It's It's been an interesting ride observing the United States, our beloved country, going from the post-World War II period, in which it was all about just what had to be done. I mean, protecting the world from, from you know, the Nazis and the Imperial Japanese and then communism, the Cold War, the rest of it. We're a tough culture that had no time for nonsense. Probably over the line. A lot of good people who just maybe weren't very tough or didn't fit in. They took it on the chin, and we probably could have been a more charitable and and, and loving uh, society. 
But now that everything's really pretty safe and prosperous, and now we're just so wrapped up in 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 uh, trying to get to the nth degree of enlightenment, we got the whole snowflake ridiculousness. You got young people thinking socialism's a good idea when it it just is the worst idea proven over and over again by history. So we've become the opposite. Now we're just so incredibly soft that you know, there's there's no sense of we don't have time for that. We got business to do. Well, it's going to take a hell of a change in our society, whether a world war or a virus that actually kills 50 million people or whatever, until we go back to the, we don't have time for that spirit that, frankly, made America great. Ain't nobody got time for that. That's the spirit right there, ma'am. I would hate it if there was a snail in my soda. It's pretty gross. It'd be a long time before I could look at a soda and not not gag. What am I, in a Wuhan market? Get me a soda without a snail in it. Bat-free. Yeah, come on. Gee-rose. Right. Michael, I think we need transition music. Um, is anybody here wearing Levi's new energy jeans? Oh, you don't know what that is? I'll tell you about that coming up. The stretchy pant might be the positive development of the mm. 21st century. Got to admit, I'm wearing stretchy jeans right now. Well, why wouldn't you? I mean, well, why wouldn't you? Because... Speaking as a guy who ate cookies over the weekend and gained weight and, and just I'm, I'm letting myself go. If I maybe maybe the rigid jeans of old were the right, gift. Exactly. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Exactly. The, the you know what the, the it reminded oh me gosh. all the time when my jeans if I couldn't button my jeans. Oh boy, dude, you got to do something now. My stretchy jeans. Right. The stretchy <laughs> pant is the everybody gets a trophy of clothing. Yeah, I prefer the term e waste. Oh, oh! I, every time I hear e-waste, I think you're throwing away your old stereo. Um, e- elastic waste. Well, everything. No, they elastic don't want to say now. elastic because that makes it sound like you're wearing sweatpants because you're can't keep your gut in. E-waste sounds like it's something kind of modern and high tech. Yes, is that what the E stands for, though? Yeah, elastic. Yes. In reality, in reality, okay. it's elastic. Okay. Yeah, it could be <laughs> that the rigid pant was the symbol of the discipline that made America great, beat back the Nazis, beat back whoever World War I was about, <laughs> and the rest of it. Right, if you can't button your jeans, you think, oh, holy cow, now we have an everybody-gets-a-trophy pant, and I'm wearing wow. them right now. Wow. It doesn't matter how much weight you gained. Your pants are still comfortable. Wow, that's shocking. I'll tell you quickly then, since we're on the topic. It's affected me deeply. Levi's new energy jeans. It just, they got, I got the email yesterday and it said, energy out, energy in. These jeans were made with innovative, salient technology. Oh. These jeans refuel your body by absorbing and recycling infrared energy that's converted from your body heat. Do they? I find that hard to believe. Then how do they put it back in you? So the heat through heat? So you're walking around sweaty all the time? So the heat I'm producing from my, my hot, hot bod is, um, being recycled back into me through my jeans? I'm not sure the math works on that. Via what? The physiology? Form. What form is the energy returned? Well, if putting something warm on me gave me more energy. Yeah, it depends what day it is. Hmm. Is it January in Chicago? Yes. Is it August in in Savannah, Georgia? No. Not sure I'm buying this, but. Yeah, it sounds like uh, horse hockey to me. Of course, you know, the great Levi's company. Again, a pillar of American industry and covering one's. Acetude. Levi's new snake oil jeans. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I could probably power reading light with the uh, electricity generated by my thighs rubbing together on my uh, my <laughs> Levi's. As I, you'll have to forgive me, folks. Enough I'm, to power a small American town for a year. I need to give myself a good, solid beating for what I saw on the scale this morning. <laughs> no offense to you if you're struggling with your weight. I'm not making fun of you. I just who's not struggling with their weight? I, I know me. Okay, I know my psychology, and some horses run better when they're whipped. Okay, I, I'm one of them. I need a good kick in to motivate me. <laughs> You're a fat. You need the stick more than the carrots. Yes, I do. The I carrots. Eating, the last thing I need. Eating carrots well, would be a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I think carrots might help a little bit. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. The, the stick or the cupcake <laughs> in my choice. A nice bottle of Cabernet Sauvignon. The best masks I've seen, and they say Armstrong and Getty on them. You can get one at armstrongandgetty.com. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Here's your freedom love and quote of the day from D.H. Lawrence. He's an old-timey writer. Google him. Men an old-timey fi- writer. Men fight for liberty and win it with hard knocks. Their children brought up easy. Let it slip away again, poor fools, and their grandchildren are once more slaves. Just the nature of liberty. If you have it, you don't think you have to fight for it. There's some D.H. Lawrence quote I was into for a lot of my life. I think it is. Infatuation like the common cold will run its course. Hmm. That's good. Did he do the one about um, distances to love as wind is to the flame? I don't know. It Man. will uh, extinguish the small and and and, and enkindle the the great. The great, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. a good one. That's good stuff. News way around a sentence, old D. H. Lawrence. Uh, Mike Lyons uh, tweeted, but I'm going to use it as a mailbag uh, here because we're talking to Mike later in the show, our military analyst. Watch for people, politicians, military experts. Middle Eastern experts will try to goad the president into responding militarily to this strike, even though it appears there are no U.S. casualties. There's a word for those people, warmongers, hmm. perhaps profiteers. Yeah, the uh, there, there's, you know, I don't know what Lindsey Graham and, my, and uh, John Bolton are saying to people, but uh, on Fox, you know, the, the Tucker Carlson voice is pretty loud of, don't let people drag us into another war. Mm-hmm. He's really against this. Yeah, I think Tucker's a little over the top on this. But um, anyway, we can talk about that later. Uh, Randy in Folsom, California, uh, a site of Folsom Prison. Also uh, Folsom Lake and other things named Folsom because that's the name of the town. <laughs> to confirm the merits of setting a very low bar for New Year's resolutions related mm. to working out. Mm. This is a philosophy one of our uh, uh, beloved listeners espoused yesterday. And I'm all about low bars. Have been my whole life. Oh, yeah. You're known for that. There was a time in my late 20s when I'd meet my friends at the gym before going out to eat and then bar hopping. At the time, I always I was always tired after a hard day of work and maybe staying out too late at the bars the night before. And not in the same condition as my friends either. Regardless, I'd go to the gym dressed for a workout, intending not to work out, but rather shoot the breeze than go to the more pleasurable activities of the sauna than dinner in a bar. Although they laughed at me, we were good enough friends. I didn't mind. I held my ground by sitting on one of the benches. 
When it was no longer funny to them, uh, funny to them, I eventually ambled over to a machine, started a few light and easy routines. wasn't look be- I'm sorry, it wasn't long before I looked forward to the gym to actually work out on a regular basis. And last I year, always I always gave myself the option to not work out. And last year, I won the title of Mister Olympia. That's right. <laughs> My name is Magnus Ver Magnuson. I toss empty kegs into four-story windows well, in no. strongman competitions. Actually, actually, you cynical fools. <laughs> The gent is now in his late 50s and follows the same uh, policy and is in good shape and works out pretty regularly. Low bar, folks. <laughs> the secret to success. Michael, I think we need transition music. Mailbag. Let's see. Merrill writes, Jack should go home. William writes, Joe, don't let Jack in. Oh, no, it's too late. He's there. Might as well let him stay. All right. Thank you for your input. Oh, boy. Oh, you know what I forgot to grab was a freedom-loving quote of the day. Hang on a second. I have it right over here. That's too long. How about this from John Milton? Back in the day. Give me the liberty to know, to utter, to argue freely according to conscience above all liberties. All the great thinkers of antiquity, of the uh, Middle Ages, of modern times, all say the same thing, and it's it's going directly against what's happening on university campuses. The one thing you must have is the right to argue your position freely. But don't worry. We'll keep fighting. Keep fighting for freedom around here at the Armstrong and Getty Show, or at least I will. Jack, probably, uh, well, his prospects are not good. Leaning over the toilet of socialism. Oh, boy. Uh, let's see. OMG, overlaid. Ha ha ha, writes Brian. I'm officially dead. Our four. Uh, 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 I laughed out loud so many times during the causes of death in London in the 1600 segment. I nearly burst. Uh, <laughs> thank you again for what you guys do. Thank you, Brian. Um, KSFOTA keeps saying fistula on the air. Brian from Kansas City, go Chiefs, hope they weren't cheating like the Astros. Well, we did not finish the uh, the causes of death in London in 1632, I think it was, so we may have to resume that in a little bit. Yes, Positive Sean? I have updated, uh, I don't have a bucket list, I have an anti-bucket list, things that I'm trying to avoid for the rest of my life. That, and one of the, I agree. That You know, that's funny. I don't have a bucket list, but I have what you have. Yeah, like an and, overturned bucket list. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and on that list is avoid being pressed to death. Yes. Which was one of the things listed there. I tell you what, your uh, travel guides or whatever, they ought to mention, yeah, the, the weather's hot in August and, uh, you know, hotels are excellent. You should bring your own water and they may press you to death <laughs> if you run afoul of their laws. It's worth knowing. A couple of the causes of death in London in 1632, they included, uh, let's see, cancer and wolf. That's one cause. I mean, that's really terrible. You you got the big C, and you're beset by wolves, that's as far as I can figure. A cut of the stone, uh, executed and pressed to death. Um, gangrene, gout, death by gout. Yikes. One, one guy in London, one guy, bit by mad dog. You got to be thankful to live in these times, or at least in a place where <clears throat> Western medicine is available. Oh my goodness, yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's humbling and and scary, and and it makes you grateful when you think about you know all the things that uh, happened to your kids that might have been fatal back in the day, but uh, we deal with them fairly easily now. We got this text. 
Hot chocolate in the morning. Whoa, ladies, he's already taken. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> That's mean-spirited. That is mean-spirited. We don't need that sort of cruelty. Uh, Brian, different Brian writes, hey, yo, Joe, with respect to what you were saying about not calling liberals liberals anymore, because they're illiberal. I mean, they, they don't accept different points of view and arguments. That's It's the opposite of liberalism. Uh, I agree we need another term to describe the political left, one that accurately reflects their mindset. Progressive uh, suggests that progress is being made, and I cannot agree that their policies would be beneficial progress. Perhaps governmentalist would be a good choice. Someone believes that the government is the solution to all problems. Um, but it seems that therein lies a great deal of the divide between the divide between those of us with a libertarian thought process and the more socialist mindsets of Bernie, Elizabeth AOC et al. Brian, thank you for the input. I can solve the baseball cheating thing, writes Dave. Oh, man, more Major League Baseball players are speaking out, saying some pretty strong stuff about the Houston Astros. The slap on the wrist and the idiotic comments of the owner and some of the players essentially saying, well, it's behind us. We don't know if it affected games. That's not the way players feel. So we'll get to those soon. But Dave has a great idea. And this is kind of straight out of the NFL, but congrats for coming up with it, Dave. Uh, just allow a hearing aid type beeper in the pitcher's ear and some buttons the catcher has somewhere under the glove say catcher can signal the pitcher safely. Only risk then is hacking the beeper signal, but you can fix that with encryption. So make it like, you know, the offensive coordinator actually talks to the quarterback in their helmet now. Mm. Um, and uh, maybe, you know, have the catcher with a little, uh, little microphone there in his mouth. Okay. I'll throw the breaking ball here. Throw him the curveball. You know? Yeah. 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 That's not a bad idea. Yeah. I like it. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty show. Armstrong and Getty.